this is Anna, and as always on Thursdays, I welcome you to my podcast, Sustainability Explored. Today is the episode number five, and I'm going to talk about stakeholders' engagement in the green organization. But before I even start, I want to share with you the great news and rag a little bit about my own discipline. I've been doing this podcast, I've been working on this podcast already for uh, more than a month since it's the fifth episode and every Thursday uh, I let the episode of the week out. So let's all celebrate uh, a little bit today with the topic that is very dear again, very important and dear to my heart. This is the stakeholder engagement. As we know, people are key to any business, the core component, the most important probably component of any organization, any company, any product, because everything we do, we do for, to solve the problem of the humanity, of the society. We want our products to be um, in demand, and to be in demand, they need to solve some problem people are facing. Um, you may know already what stakeholder means um, as a term. You may not know it or not remember it from the previous episodes where I touched the base of stakeholders very briefly. So today is the chance. Today is the chance to learn a little bit more about stakeholders, about how to engage them. And specifically, I want to share the tips and tricks of how to do it successfully. And most importantly, uh, a little remark on this podcast or in my blog on ecognize.me um, I always look on the things on business processes on innovations through the green lens so to say through the lens of sustainability with sustainability in mind with environmental and social uh, issues or and and or uh, climate risks in mind so today um, I will not talk broadly about um, stakeholders or their engagement. All of that you can read in the, uh, in the literature or simply Google it. What I want to, what kind of approach I want to take today, uh, I want to share with you the successful tips and tricks of stakeholders' engagement specifically for a so-called green organization. That means an organization or a company or any other institution that takes sustainability seriously, that takes environment um, into account when, taking, when making decisions, when uh, producing products, creating anything, when building their relationships with uh, their customers, employees, investors, and so on and so forth. So if your organization is mission-driven, and I'm almost sure it is the case, if you're still here with me on the waves of this radio of sustainability exploration, I am almost sure you have at least once asked yourself the question, for what am I doing it? Or rather, for whom am I doing what I'm doing in my organization? Of course, we keep in mind that the, we operate from the premise of organization or being in the organization or head in the organization that has sustainability concern, at least. Or questions like, why do I choose 
what I, what I do? Why did I choose to do what I do? And obviously, of course, the first question that needs to be, sorry, that needs to be answered um, in the beginning of whichever start is which problem I'm solving. Where, what do I cure? Where does it hurt in the society, in the community? So I am providing the treatment. Or what drives me to apply my efforts into a certain cause? Also, the answers to these questions will vary from listener to listener. There is almost certainly one common component among them. And I have mentioned it in the beginning of this episode. This common component is people. Those organizations that succeed in satisfying the customers and their interested parties, um, so meaning other stakeholders, bet their success on people. Of course, they value, first of all, they value and cherish their employees. And let me just uh, make a quick remark here. Um, please do read, if you haven't done so, please do read Delivering Happiness, um, the book by Tony Shea. And um, have a look at this website, um, basically with the same name, Delivering Happiness, where Tony explains how he created the company called Zappos. Originally, they wanted to only um, sell and supply customers with shoes that they can choose online and predefine their um, sizes, lengths of the shoes, and, and create their own designs, even if I do remember it correctly. I read the book a long time ago, at least two years ago, but it touched me to such an extent that I keep using this example um, in my everyday life and um, in the organizations for whom I work, where I provide the sustainability services. So Tony Shea and Delivering Happiness, this book is valuable and extremely important to anyone who wants to learn, oh, if only you can learn that, how to care, how to approach your business from the premise of caring, creating a happier culture for a more profitable business. So do read this book. You will uh, make yourself a big favor if you do it um, soon enough because this will, I'm sure, change the way you think, change the way you approach things, and change the way further on of how your employees feel about you as a leader, if you are a leader and or head in the organization. And... Um, and about the values of the organization too. So first things first, employees. They value and cherish the employees. Second of all, they take care of their customers by anticipating at best or meeting their needs, wishes and concerns. For, for example, about environmental and social injustice or sustainability advancements, uh, just as I described in the Episode, I think, number three on corporate sustainability, we spoke about the efforts that Nike, Adidas, Home Depot, what else was there? I think Procter & Gamble, Nestle, what these big companies do in terms of their own corporate sustainability and how they um, involve environmental and social issues and concerns, anticipating the needs of their customers 
today in their uh, business processes now. Number three, they, these organizations that are successful in satisfying their customers, um, they also do provide younger and less experienced talents with a base for hands-on internships, and they do make efforts to retain their brightest minds, which means that not only the company has, a so everybody I think has the HR policy, but also they do actively engage with younger generation and provide them as uh, sustainability, not even necessarily leaders, but if the company does engage uh, students and provides internships and really works with the students and young um, employees, providing them ment with mentorship, um, providing them with the student support programs where they can exercise what they have learned at the universities, at their schools, and see really how the market works in the real life. These companies are leaders by themselves already because um, unfortunately so far I didn't see, in my experience at least, I didn't see a lot of... Um, enthusiasm around these topics, uh, around the topic of engaging the students, of giving them an opportunity, of um, working with them in the beginning, uh, providing them with the helping hand and the supportive shoulder. Uh, but in my opinion, this is crucial, this is very important, the organization that does not look into, into the future, into the younger hate to say it, human capital, younger people, younger employees, maybe not yet employees, but the students, the interns, because they take them and they see them as a burden rather than a help. Um, so far, I haven't seen a lot of enthusiasm, as I have said, but I think this is something that successful organizations should bet on. Uh, last but not least, they meet, these companies meet or try to meet financial expectations of the investors or financial donors with no surprise, ideally. But as you may know, you know that financial side is not my strongest suit, so I will not go into details here. Uh, the only thing I want to mention is that uh, the recent reports on corporate social responsibility prove that companies that take into account environmental and social issues, anticipating their problems uh, with regard to climate and environment, they also tend to perform better financially. But anyway, financial side, investors, uh, interns, students, employees, customers, See, it's all about people. And I didn't even include making a positive impact on humanity, humanity in the equation. Because this is the prerequisite for the green or greening organization. So the topic of this issue is the nucleus, the core of any business. This is stakeholders' engagement. Companies that have grasped the importance of actively developing and sustaining relationships with people on every stage of their progress are reaping the benefits of improved risk management and better outcomes on the ground. 
Approaches to doing business have changed, obviously. The society became more sophisticated and demands a broader level of transparency and disclosure. They want to know what you produce, what are the contents, how are you harming or not harming uh, the forest, the rivers, how do you treat your, your people, what is going on in your supply chain. All the way from short-term means of meeting regulatory requirements, that is really a past, um, a long forgotten even, I would say, past, to a long term. The companies changed to a long term, more strategic channel for relationship building. Risk mitigation, new business identification, new approaches and forms of, engagements, uh, of engagement are also evolving. As I have said, stakeholders play a vitally important role when companies develop their approach to corporate sustainability. If you don't know what it is, the corporate sustainability was explored uh, on this podcast and in sustainability explored in the episode number three. Uh, so go check, um, make yourself comfortable, listen at your own pace, get acquainted, um, yeah, and spread the word. The word. By listening to their stakeholders, companies can better understand emerging trends and material issues, as well as prioritize among them. Just as no one could ever fully develop while skipping evolution steps, your company or the company you're working for or consulting for will evolve its relationships with stakeholders following a simple process. Now I'm about to share the four steps of development of relationships, uh, relations with stakeholders that your company will eventually undergo. So the step number one is awareness. At this stage, the stakeholders know that the company exists. That's all. The company wants to com communicate um, with its stakeholders by providing them with more information about the company so that they can bring to begin to evaluate the company's mission and values. At the step number two, or the stage number two, um, this stage is called knowledge. So at this point, stakeholders begin to slowly understand what the company is doing, uh, what are its values, what is the strategy, what's the mission. At this stage, companies want to provide stakeholders with information for decision-making, preferably, of course, in their favor. Customers want to know how the products of the company meet their needs, uh, employees need to understand the organization structure and systems. The suppliers also want to understand what the company needs from them. At the third stage, when you're past the stage of awareness and knowledge, step stage and step number three is admiration. But this is not yet where everybody is striving for, what everybody is striving for. Third stage, admiration. As soon as stakeholders have gained knowledge about the company, trust needs to be developed. This is the stage at which stakeholders will develop a sense of commitment to the company. This is where they will decide that they want your product, not the competitor's product, but yours. And the stage number four, action. Company is taking steps to further engage its stakeholders. Customers recommend its com this company and its business. Investors recommend its shares. Employees are ready to take more responsibility and even serve um, 
without refraining serve as its ambassadors. So now that you know that the company goes from awareness to knowledge, then to admiration into action, you probably want to know how to travel from step one to step four in the shortest possible time. Well, first and foremost, decide upon your values and mission. This, um, as you may have remembered from the, um, I think, episode number previous, so number four, on corporate social, uh, on the policy of environmental and social responsibility, uh, I touched a little bit the question of values and mission, which should be outlined and made available, available for your stakeholders in the policy of the organization. This will let everyone know values and mission um, will let everyone know who you are and what you stand for. Also, it will keep you accountable for all your actions. Whenever you slip off the planned uh, path or the planned strategy, your own stakeholders will remind you of what you have committed to. Then, fast forward from then, then um, Essentially, understanding what kind of problem you solve with your mere existence on the market. This is the phase of brand recognition establishment to building really commitment. Commitment that would serve as a reason for people, or let's start using this term stakeholders, let's be fancy. So a reason for stakeholders to come back to you, to work with you, to invest in you, and to be interested in you, slash, of course, uh, in the parentheses, um, in your company. So before expanding on the highest level of stakeholder engagement, action, as we can, as we still remember, it is of great importance to emphasize the value of asking the right question. Start with why. Yes, it's a referral to the famous uh, Simon Sinek book, Start With Why. Uh, but also, seriously, first understand what you want to achieve via engaging the stakeholders, then map them carefully and thought thoughtfully. Why? So why engaging? In brief, you want or you possibly want to engage your stakeholders for sustainability and advantage, for providing them with better services uh, to your clients and customers, for innovation and market development, for easier access to financial support from the investors and other financial donors, for enhanced image and reputation. Now off to step four, which tells us action, take steps. So what to do exactly to make customers recommend your company and its business? Investors recommend its shares and employees take more responsibility, leadership, and serve, as I have already mentioned, as true ambassadors of your company. Examples uh, from the real world. So to better understand the stakeholder engagement at this point, um, at this most prominent, I would even say, stage, let's take some example that would serve as a good model. I'll take the Green Bank, uh, since the concept of it uh, has already been explored previously in this podcast, that was the episode number one, uh, something that I have started with. Also because this institution, the Green Bank, would allow us to look at the things in the organization. 
through a prism of environmental and social sustainability. Also, of course, because the Green Bank uh, was the beginning of my own career, of my professional path in sustainability. So if we do this exercise and we start, as we have decided earlier um, in, in the podcast, in this episode, what would be the possible mission of the Green Bank? I would say, out on top of my mind, to promote sustainable development, to foster alternative energy and energy efficiency development, to help shift to a greener economy, to make a positive impact by reducing climate change rate. Um, if we look further, what can be the values of such organization? Again, something that I came up with while thinking, um, exploring, expanding on this topic, I would name four, uh, probably not more, having more uh, values would be very hard to remember and, and recall, but we need the values that would resonate with the culture, with the tone, with the emotion, with the drive of the organization itself. To me, what um, speaks to me specifically and what I have outlined are the four following values that I would want to have an organization or to work for the organization that has these four really in place. So number one is transparency. We, the stakeholders, want you to openly report upon your actions you take, upon the actions you take towards your mission. Number two, environmental approach, or with, I would say with environment in mind. So if you call your organization green, practice what you preach. The stakeholders will surely want some proofs. Maybe you implement the concept of a green office or fully digitalize your internal processes so that to reduce paper usage where possible, of course. Or perhaps your top management comes to the office by public transport or bicycles or at last in the electric cars and encourages the employees to do the same to take on the lead. Number three, diversity. Is organization inclusive of various groups of society? Is it gender balanced, not only in terms of quantities, but also in terms of fair payment? Does it welcome students, interns, seniors, disabled, veterans? All these groups mean diversity and they need to be included uh, for the organization, first of all, in the first place, to have a broader look, to expand their own horizons at how they approach things. Number four, which is important personally to me as the previous three uh, values, is social responsibility. Is organization proactively thinking and working towards providing your internal and external stakeholders with cultural, social and educational opportunities? Does it develop initiatives aimed at social prosperity and positive impact? Yeah, so this would be number four um, values that I personally cherish, I per personally uh, apply to myself and value a lot. Obviously, the list can go on and on with core values like respect, work-life balance, openness and trust, innovation, whatever else is deemed of great importance at the organization in question. But 
again, as I have said, honestly, I don't think it's worth any good having more than four values. Less is more. Quality should prevail over quantity. Ideally, the goal is to define the values that would be sharp, easy to remember, and most importantly, resonate with the internal culture of the organization. I always like to joke that an employee of the organization awaken at three in the morning should be able to name the values of the company he or she works for. That's how uh, immersive, how engaging these uh, values should be. Most importantly, they should be yours, no one else's. Something that is only valid for your company that resonates to you as a leader of the company or the CEO, they should reflect your vision, your mission, and your drive. Now, with the values and sustainability prism in mind, um, I would now go straight to the mapping of the stakeholders. So, just a small reminder of who the stakeholders are. Again, I think I have mentioned it either earlier or in previous episode, but nevertheless, it's always good to come back to the good old uh, truth, the terms, the definitions. This stakeholder is anyone who is impacted by, interested uh, by your organization or has any, anything to do with it, basically. So I broke down the stakeholders into groups um, using my imagination and uh, experience, first of all. And I got, uh, we'll count them at the end, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 12, 12 stakeholders group. I've got a very um, elaborated and very distinguished, sophisticated uh, map divided into uh, so 12 stakeholders groups, uh, ideas on how to engage them and the expected results. Again, we remember that I was doing it for the, the ideal world or the green bank from the ideal world. So maybe not of these stakeholders will be relevant in other organizations. Of course, it depends on the scale um, of the organization and it's, um, how shall I even put it, the maturity level, whether this is a startup, whether it's uh, in the beginning of its development or by the end of its development or anything like company of 25 years experience is not the same as a company of even 10 years of experience. So anyway, let's start. Let's start with the internal, uh, internal group of stakeholders, which is employees, of course. How would you engage the employees thinking of the, thinking through the, or looking through the green lens, looking through the perspective and the prism of sustainability? Engaging employees would happen through corporate events, lectures, and for, uh, workshops focusing on sustainability, of course. The implementation of green office model in the premises would be a good start. Um, introduce flexible or remote work hours to let your employees save on the commute time. 
uh, and also the internal grievance mechanism. People need to know what to do, who to approach, where to write, if they were mistreated, if they think they were um, harassed, or if they have any other problem internally with the, um, with the culture of the organization. What would be the expected results of employees' engagement through the given um, actions? A good expected result would be an engaging, inclusive, and stimulating work environment, high-quality performance, high employee satisfaction and loyalty. Uh, speaking of the green office, we would come to reduced material costs, energy, water, waste, transportation, if we introduce flexible or remote work hours, uh, less costs on paper, uh, if we are speaking about digitalizing the process, as I have mentioned before, and so on and so forth. So reduced material costs, better satisfaction, motivation, and loyalty of your employees. Then, in our second group of stakeholders, I put prospective employees, meaning students or interns. So how to engage with them? Um, I see a creation of the student or intern support program providing students with an opportunity to exercise their profession in a real-world uh, condition, in, in real-world conditions, under the supervision and mentorship of trained and committed um, already working employees. What to expect? We can expect, in this case, the retention of talents, the contribution to the overall level of professionalism on the market, and also the raising of probably future sustainability stars. In my stakeholder group number four, I put clients or customers what to do to launch a new environment or alternative energy and er energy efficiency product, to distribute information guides, uh, and also to provide them with external grievance mechanism. Uh, the expected results uh, are the growth of sales of environment-friendly products or services. Uh, with the internal grievance mechanism, we want to give, um, we want to provide our clients with the um, voice. We want to give them an opportunity um, to express their concerns. Uh, we also, in this way, we commit, we contribute to our active listen listening that will anticipate, anticipate any, any arising problems. Next, group number four, partners. What can be the partners of the green institution and how to engage with them? Partner will, uh, we will partner with those who share our commitment to advancing impact investments in a transparent and sustainable way. Um, we also imagine that we create joint programs, product uh, with purpose. Ye the organizations such as a Green Bank can join associations and projects like Carbon Disclosure Project, Water, uh, CDP, uh, Climate Action and Forecast, Footprint Disclosure Project, as well as Global in Impact Investing Network, uh, United, National, uh, United Nations uh, Principles for Responsible Banking, Women's World Banking, etc., um, etc. Et 
what it will give us, the win-win growth for both or more parties, uh, both for the organization in question and all of the partners. Next group, I think this is the fifth group of um, stakeholders. Uh, these are our government authorities. So what to do? Uh, engage into discussion on banking regulation, environmental finance, finance and sustainability, and the energy transition, and divesting um, fossil assets, and so on and so forth. Promote and dedicate to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the 17 of that. I think we will cover them uh, in, in the next episodes, if I haven't done so already, which I think I did. Then um, join the task force working to grow the number of social impact investors, engage into active conversation with the Ministry of Environment, and sustainable development or any other name this ministry um, holds in any country in question. Uh, the prospective results of engaging with the government authorities and engaging into a, a solid sound dialogue with government uh, authorities would be lobbying for appropriate laws, policies and regulations related to climate and environment. Having a strong and credible voice as an organization, that's not bad either. Uh, promotion of transparency, best practice, responsibility in shaping the sustainable future is one, of the, is one of the outcomes that speaks probably most. The sixth group of stakeholders, public organizations or NGOs. So what can an organization do. It can appear and speak at the events of public organizations and the NGOs, especially if they are dedicated to the topics of environment, social issues, sustainable development, responsible investment, environmental finance, circular economy, and so on and so forth. Be open for, for, a, for a dialogue. Uh, I would call it an open door policy. Uh, be open to new ideas, don't be aggressive, be engaging, be open-minded. Uh, another thing that an organization that claims to be green can, can do is, find, is funding research projects. Of course, that involves some um, extra budget, some extra finance uh, allocation, but that's worth doing also in order to enhance uh, reputation and, and to be part of the dialogue, to be the voice in the dialogue. Um, this, I want to give this small example, I think, I checked it some years ago, last year, I think, while working on the GRI uh, report, the Global Report and Initiative uh, report, uh, the French Bente Paribas, uh, funds the research on climate and environment from their own money. It, it really funds, but and not um, it does not give loans to this um, research. Um, further on, I will um, I will find some more information and will share uh, with you. Or you can check on the website of Ben Paribas in in the section of their corporate social responsibility. Uh, what dragged my attention last year is that they funded um, 
climate research on the mercury travel in the ocean uh, and they um, they sent the scientists or no, not, they did not send they funded the scientific research of the scientific center uh, based in Chizé in France this is where I did the first uh, my first ever hands-on uh, one-week internship uh, and so they funded the climate research on uh, on how the mercury travels across the globe uh, the research took part in the French um, uh, Kerguelen Island and the penguins living populated, populated on that island served as a model um, to, to, assess, uh, to assess the risks of mercury travel and, um, and climate impact, of course. So Ben Peparibas, uh, to wrap it all up, uh, Ben Peparibas actually used that uh, uh, implemented that um, activity, engaging with public organizations, NGOs, but even more with uh, educational, not even educational, no, scientific research institutions, and funded uh, research projects to, um, to do their part to commit uh, to the climate risks uh, mitigation. Uh, what would be the prospective uh, outcomes? Of course, brand recognition and improved reputation and promotion of environmental dialogue. And while we are all here, I have quickly checked the website of Bente Paribas and their uh, corporate philanthropy scientific research projects. Apparently on Monday, February 11th, this year, 2019, the Bente Paribas Foundation launched a new call for projects to improve knowledge about the interactions uh, between climate and biodiversity and their heavy consequences on human societies. With a 6 million euro budget, the Climate and Biodiversity Initiative program will support six to eight scientific research projects from 2020 to 2022. Uh, as well, there on the website, they uh, answered the questions why addressing the issue of biodiversity? And obviously, the answer is first because the erosion of biodiversity is, along with climate change, a major challenge of our time. The current situation is alarming. Every 20 minutes, an animal or plant species disappears, representing more than 26,000 species each year. In addition, it's now necessary to address global warming by taking into account the erosion of biodiversity, as these two issues are closely interconnected. Uh, as demonstrated by 11 of the 18 projects so far su supported by the Bente Paribas Foundation, um, Climate change, acting in synergy with the degradation of soils and population growth, accelerates the loss of biodiversity. But the converse is also true. Uh, since degraded ecosystems have reduced CO2 assimilation and storage capacities, thus accelerating the process, uh, processes linked to climate change. As a result, humanity today has the global responsibility to face both the challenges and their interactions, so the cumulative um, effect. 
In addition, the issues of preserving biodiversity is today at the heart of public policies and intergovernmental debate. Evidences, evidenced by the creation in 2012 of the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, the IPCC of Biodiversity. Uh, this decision is also in line with the positioning of the Benpe Paribas Group, which ha has notably committed to the Act for Nature initiative launched in 2018 for the protection and restoration of biodiversity, as well as the consideration by the media and the public opinion of this subject. So you see, uh, previously I said that um, funding scientific research projects, uh, connecting to uh, scientific organizations, public organizations, NGOs, um, enhances um, and improves reputation uh, brand recognition and so on and so forth and and I am the living proof you see I've checked the website of uh, Bente Paribas for my own professional purposes more than a year ago and I still remember about their commitment so and this creates uh, in my mind a very positive impact uh, the very positive image of this bank next group of stakeholders uh, shareholders and investors how to engage, uh, implement sustainability and climate reporting. This is something that I will cover next time in the next episode, episode number six. I will speak specifically about sustainability reporting. Climate reporting is slightly different um, since it focuses mainly on the CO greenhouse gases uh, the in described, depicted in the equivalent of uh, CO2, carbon dioxide. But anyway, uh, more about this subject next week, next Thursday. For now, what can be um, the prospective results of the engagement with shareholders, investors and financial donors? Um, again, improved reputation of the organization. Uh, I love this word tranquility and confidence of the shareholders and investors they know you keep your things together and you openly disclose um, openly and transparently disclose the information uh, not related to finance but related to environment society um, organizations um, uh, impact input and uh, commitment via submitting the sustainability and climate reporting. Next group, suppliers. I establish a green procurement supply chain. Uh, this is going to be the topic of even further investigation and um, exploration on the podcast. Uh, green procurement is very interesting. Green uh, supply chain chains really need to be implemented and taken seriously taken into account by the organizations who want to commit to the IFC performance standards, who want to be sure that um, by buying uh, certain products, goods and services, they do not contribute to bad malicious practices. So we leave green uh, procurement for maybe in two weeks for the episode that will come out in two weeks. For now, suppliers are still our uh, stakeholders. 
if we establish a green procurement supply chain, what uh, kind of a positive uh, result, outcome we can expect? Suppliers comply with high social and environmental standards. In turn, they expect a company to conduct a sustainable business. Um, we can expect minimized risks, improved future opportunities, and a sound contribution to sustainable economic growth. Next group of stakeholders, educational institutions. What we want um, to do with them, how do we want to engage them being a green organization? We want to invite students for internships, actively share knowledge and develop skilled workforce, um, implement mentorship program at the organization, uh, funding research projects of these educational institutions that have already been mentioned, uh, participate in the roundtables on circular economy, for example, or sustainable development. And as leaders on the green market, um, we can be sure that the voice will be heard and the message will be sent. Um, the outcomes of the engagement with educational institution would be the brightest minds that stay working for the organization in question and increase of common good knowledge uh, in the society on the market. The group of stakeholders broadly called community, community relationship uh, uh, establishment via public lectures, conferences, uh, roundtables. Um, I would put here again sustainability and climate reporting, which is not only interesting for investors, obviously. Uh, but here I just repeat myself a little bit. Everyone wants to know um, how you disclose and what kind of information you disclose. Investors will most probably be, first of all, interested by financial part and figures, but the community needs to know who operates in their premises, in their well, communities, and what the organization does exactly. Uh, another way to engage with uh, stakeholders called stakeholders group uh, called the community is to establish external grievance mechanism where you know you may not receive uh, or see the information um, directly from your customers or those who are approaching you for lending for credits but you may receive certain valuable, very interesting information from the community. So do establish external grievance mechanism, do um, find time to draw an elaborated uh, grievance mechanism roadmap, outlining issues and responsible in the organization to cover them do establish the timeline for in which the um, affected communities can or individuals or representatives of the communities can expect the timely answer um, do establish a mechanism that would um, tell you and tell the um, affected communities what happens next in what time in which form they can expect the answer and so on and so forth that will really you know these are the things that we always wish will never happen but if they do and when they do happen uh, the organization and i say we we want to be prepared
we don't want to panic. We don't want to uh, to do uh, to to perform random moves and not know what to do actually. So external grievance mechanism is very important, and I will cover it uh, in more detail further on. Not in this episode, but further on, uh, I will surely touch this uh, tool of stakeholder engagement. So what can we expect from uh, the improved relationship with the community, with engaging with the community? Increased employee volunteering. Uh, if they are part of this community and they are working for the organization and the organization provides them with uh, these opportunities, they will gladly uh, volunteer and um, participate in the events organized by the, the organization. Information, views, concerns of the community received via the established grievance mechanism is a unique data that a company may not receive from anywhere else. Again, just a little bit repeating myself on how important the grievance, external grievance mechanism is. Just as important as internal for the workers, um, but yeah, it just gives uh, another opportunity for community to establish a dialogue with you and to your organization to anticipate the horizon, uh, the, the horizon problems if, they, if there are. Next group of stakeholders is media. Uh, invite journalists, journalists to discuss new uh, ideas, uh, innovations, to request uh, um, to respond to requests or provide advice spontaneously and seek out individuals, oh sorry, um, media, um, invite journalists to discuss uh, the innovations and uh, scenes, topics that the organization's work um, addresses, highlighting the potential for a more transparent, diverse and sustainable banking industry. Uh, publish opinion pieces on topics um, relevant to the industry. This is more a suggestion to the CEO or someone, um, someone responsible in the organization for the, uh, for the environmental, sustainability and green topics. What can you expect? You can expect as a result increased brand visibility, contribution to common social good by sharing knowledge, inspiring others and accelerating positive change. And now the last group uh, that I have anticipated talking about a little bit earlier, I just skipped the line and, and started to talk about uh, the group that is always, like really always underlooked, advisors and inspirers. Engage with external advisors who Respond to requests or provide advice spontaneously and seek out individuals who inspire new opportunities and insights. Invite these inspiring people to speak at socially um, convened sessions in the organization's branches and at the international meetings. They are vitally important, particularly, particularly in the development of forward-looking sustainability strategies. They, as an outcome, the contribution the advisors and inspirers will bring, uh, the organization will see broader horizons and will be able to explore new territories. That 
Otherwise, they, the organization wouldn't simply see. So, whew, 12 groups of stakeholders, uh, ways to engage with them and expected outcomes are covered. And as I was exercising with mapping these stakeholders, I recalled the words of Peter Blom, the CEO of Triodes Bank. He's actually someone I want to interview for one of the episodes, and I really hope he will say yes. So the quote of Peter Blom, the financial sector is in a very good position to contribute to a sustainable world. Every financial decision makes impact after all. And I think I only started to understand his words really only now. To implement the ideas outlined in the um, in previous previously um, uh, in the in the map of our stakeholders, so to implement this uh, idea successfully, I want to finish this episode with four tips for successful engagement. After a short break and a musical pause. So I'm back from the short musical interlude, short, short pause, with the tips for successful stakeholders' engagement. So first and foremost, what you have to know and remember is get in early. Relationship building takes time. Many of the hallmarks of good relationships, such as trust, mutual respect, understanding, are intangibles that develop and evolve over time based on individual and collective experiences and interactions. Number two, don't wait until there is a problem to engage. In the Eisenhower's metrics, that seems, what, what seems less important and less urgent never gets done. Anticipate, even if there is no urgent need today, tomorrow can, can be already a bit too late. Number three, take a long-term view. Establishing and maintaining good relationships requires a long-term and long-time horizon. Companies who take this view tend to make different types of decisions. They invest in hiring and training staff and see the value of consistently following through to their communities, um, to stakeholders. They make an effort to personalize relationships through informal and social interactions to build links to local communities. They take grievances seriously and deal with them in a reliable and timely manner. They listen and learn. Importantly, companies that focus on lasting relationships think in terms of bigger picture and do not allow short-term interests, such as negotiating the lowest possible compensation rates, to jeopardize their broader social license to operate in the area. And finally, number four, manage it as a business function. Like any other business function, stakeholder engagement needs to be managed. It should be driven by a well-defined strategy and have a clear set of objectives, timetable, budget, and allocation of responsibilities. Companies that take a systematic rather than ad hoc approach that is grounded in business operations are likely to get better results in terms of the time and resources they invest and are able to track and manage stakeholders' issues and risks more effectively. 
As with other key business functions, um, direct reporting lines and the engagement of senior management is critical. As you can see, stakeholder engagement is a broad topic yet to be explored. Today we've only touched base. I know this is a, a little bit longer episode than those that I usually do. But in the next chapters, in the next episodes of this journey of sustainability explored journey, I'd like to look into prominent examples of stakeholder engagements and share the tools companies use to engage with various stakeholders effectively, such as, for example, sustainability and climate reporting, grievance mechanisms, and other mechanism. It's only one mechanism. And other. Uh, as I have promised, uh, the next episode will be devoted to the tool uh, part of the stakeholder engagement plan called sustainability reporting. So stay tuned, be engaged and see you and hear you next week.